Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. I hope you had a great day. I had a great day. Going to have a great night, too, with the show. I said, we got a good show coming. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. Let me make a little adjustment here. There we go. Boom. Uh, we're 48 strong up and down the state of California. So what that means is that if you have a paranormal issue going on in your home or you think you might have a paranormal issue, we can get to you because we are, we're, we are almost, you know, we've got somebody in almost every county of the state. And if we're like three or four away from you, we'll still get to you no matter what. So you can find us at CaliforniaHaunts.org, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, Facebook. Find me on Facebook and uh, tell me, let me know what's going on and I'll, I'll see if I can get some help for you, okay? Anyway, welcome tonight. If you're watching from Facebook, please hit that follow button. If you're watching from YouTube, please hit... I missed my button. Hang on. See, speaking of buttons, there we go. If you're watching from Facebook, <laughs> please hit that follow button. If you're watching from YouTube... Please uh, click on that. If you're watching from YouTube and you're new, rather, please click, uh, click on that little ghost down in the bottom right-hand corner, and he will make you a subscriber to our YouTube page. Our YouTube page has more than 350 videos over there of varying topics. We don't always cover paranormal stuff because I'm a journalist. I'm a photojournalist, so I like to change it up a little bit, right? So if, if I think there's something over there for everybody, okay? A little something over there. I, th- I think you'll like it. If you're watching from Twitch, please hit that follow button. And the same thing goes for TikTok. Anyway, I want to uh, keep you guys abreast of this. Saturday, I will be teaching a psychic development class, psychic development class level one. And that will be taught at 5 p.m. Pacific on Saturday afternoon, California time, right? And what that class teaches you is it teaches you how to open and close that that door because it's a door that, that you can open. Some people think it's a pretend door. Well, psychics think it's like an ethereal door that opens and closes. And what that does by teaching you this is that sometimes new psychics will begin by opening up all the way. And the issue with that is not just nice stuff comes through. You start getting bad stuff. So the way to control that is to be able to control the opening and closing of that door. It's all about controlling that door. So what I will teach you is how to open the door, how to leave your body, go visit your... Your, your spirit library, your spirit guide, your spirit animal, your spirit object. Give notes to your spirit guide. You can even talk to them, have a conversation with your spirit guide. But then you come back into your own body. And that's what that teaches you. And that's the exercise to teach you how to open and close that door. All right? So if you're interested in that, visit the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team Meetup site. Sign up for Meetup. It's free. There's no charge. And it's listed over on the Meetup under Events. All right? Also, on the following Saturday, I will be teaching the second part of that class, which is Psychic Development Class 2, which delves further into psychic abilities. And in that class, we do exercises so that we can tell exactly where your psychic abilities are pointing because not everybody is capable of doing everything psychically, right? There's clairvoyance, clairaudience. That's how we find out is, is, is we spend a couple hours delving into what you ha- you know the, the skills that you have and doing exercises to see just exactly what type of 
you know, talent you've got, and then we know where to grow from there, all right? Anyway, tonight's guest, see, that was quick. I just spewed all that out, didn't I? Tonight's guest, Linda Zimmerman, great guest. Um, She talks about animal intuition and animals and UFOs. How do UFOs affect animals? I never really... I never really thought about that until I heard her speak on it. It was first, it kind of blew my mind. So I wanted to get her on to talk about that tonight. So that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. So uh, give me a minute here. Let me push this button. Hello, Jerry. Okay, Let's see who was in the room here. Who was in the house? Anyway, Linda's, Linda's in the green room right now. So without further ado, let's bring her in and ask her. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am good. When I heard you on the other show, you totally blew my mind because I never thought about animals and UFOs or anything like that. It never occurred to me that, you know, they might have an effect. But then again, it makes sense because when you think about maybe you know, UFOs affecting electricity and stuff, and they, that, that would mean they're affecting the EMF levels, which would probably affect the animals just like EMF affects us. Exactly. And um, it wasn't something I came into this field saying i'm going to study this i was mostly studying uh ufo cases in the hudson valley of new york you know it's long history of that mm-hmm. and i i actually made a joke one day i said well if it wasn't for dogs we'd we'd miss half of these ufos because so many cases dogs or some other animals alert the humans to um something going on and then, you know, the humans see it. And I was like, okay, time out. What's going on here? And so having a science background, I said, you know, before we get into the, you know, that this is some paranormal uh, sixth sense, which it still could be, mm-hmm. let's look at the science of sure. it. So that began my journey down that rabbit hole. <laughs> When you talk about this, is it something similar? Like I say, the EMF, you know, affects everybody, especially you know, even even humans. I mean, EMF is horrible on, on people's brains mm-hmm. when, they, when they get hit with a lot of it. Is just like with the earthquakes. I mean, th- that's changes in the electromagnetic field, no matter how you slice it. So is that what's going on with dogs and you know, with like dogs and UFOs or what? You I, I yeah, I think that is the primary. Th- force that's affecting this you know there's so many cases of uh emf stalling cars uh, static on radios and tv and um i discovered that animals have uh, something called magnetoreception and what it is is their ability to sense magnetic fields so minutely um they did a study of dogs a university did a study of dogs and apparently the magnetic the earth's magnetic field shifts a little bit during the day and Mm -hmm. dogs could sense that uh, immediately so if a craft is coming in with strong enough uh EMF fields to disrupt your electrical appliances. Imagine what's happening to these poor animals. I I, I liken it to, I'm not a roller coaster fan, so I liken it to being put on a roller coaster, turned upside down, spun around. Their whole world must be disoriented um, when these craft are around. Well, I know, like I wrote 
written a letter to you from personal, you know, experience with my dog, you know, before the Loma Prieta earthquake hit, you know, and what happened. Because, I mean, it was just, as, I don't know if anybody remembers those little white fence things they used to sell. I think a dollar store or someplace used to sell them. And you could sit there only like, like maybe a foot and a half tall. And you could mm -hmm. like surround your plants with them. And that's what he got his head wedged in. I couldn't figure out why. Why would he do that? You know, why would he run literally into this thing? And I mean, that would take mm -hmm. a lot because the holes on there aren't that big anyway. And then right after I got him cut out of it, an earthquake hit. Wow. See, he, he was disturbed. He knew something was happening. Um, you know, for years, science scientists were saying it's all anecdotal evidence that animals can detect earthquakes. Well, mm -hmm. you know, today's anecdotal evidence is tomorrow's science. If you study it, you know, there's been going back to the ancient Greeks, we're talking about animal reactions. And finally, there are some very good scientific studies. Um, the BBC did a, a, a series on the or a show on this with some universities doing hard science where animals, I think it was up to three weeks in advance of an earthquake, their behavior starts to change. Hmm. And uh, there was one study, I believe it was in Peru, that um, they're tracking all the, they put uh, tracking devices on animals and they could see they started moving differently a couple of weeks before. And within a few days of where the epicenter of the earthquake was, was the animals had already left days before. So they know very far in advance and we really need to start paying attention to animal reactions not just UFOs, earthquakes, tsunami, they, many stories, that horrible Indonesian tsunami that killed over 200,000 people. Um, elephants were running to high ground, uh, you know, cattle, all sorts of animals. They knew they were, le you, you see animals running away from the coast, you'd better get to high ground. Oh, Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense, you know, and I think, like you say, they, they need to study that more because instead of having these early morning earth, these early morning earthquake systems that let you know what twenty minutes, thirty minutes before, yeah, when it's you, too late, yeah, you, you could be alerted a heck of a lot earlier by watching the animals. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we, I think, uh, the human race is rather arrogant, and they, we, in our science, you know, what's a what's a lowly animal going to tell us? Well, a lot, mm -hmm. if you pay attention. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about animals and UFOs, what stories have you heard about that? <laughs> um, yeah, a few, few, few hundred, maybe a thousand. Um, and uh, one of my favorites was um, 1981, Muscatine, Iowa. There was uh, on the Mississippi River uh, a bridge and there was a toll taker. He's a very lonely job at night. And it's about three o'clock in the morning and he used to bring uh, carrots to feed the wild rabbits mm -hmm. and uh, somebody to talk to. <laughs> so he goes out and the rabbits were, uh, we used to have rabbits. I never saw a rabbit do this. Laying flat with its legs sticking out, mm -hmm. not moving. He thought they were all dead. And then he realized there was this brightly lit yellow orange craft over the river and it moved in a unique step pattern up and over, up and over, just cleared the bridge 
and took off. And as soon as the UFO took off, it was like a switch went off. The rabbits regained the ability to move, jumped up and, and, and took off. So what, I don't know, do you know rabbits at all? Do you? Uh, I do, I do. <laughs> what, do you know what would trigger that kind of catatonic state? I have no clue. None yeah. So something, something happened to the rabbits that they were either terrified or subdued something. And all the, all the person heard, he said, was a slight whizzing sound. Um, so there were many, many other witnesses, human witnesses that night. But I think the reactions of the rabbits are, are really telling. It kind of reminds me of a shark being turned upside down. And, and how does that happen? Because of, like like the smaller sharks, like people will be out in the water with them and they flip them upside down and then they're docile. Oh, it's like they're asleep. Okay. So it's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, uh, there are there are other cases where um, guard dogs who are super alert, usually mm -hmm. very, very aggressive in the presence of a UFO, just sit down and, you know, they're just it's like they're drugged. And um, many cases of animals seemingly paralyzed. Um, there, there's a whole range of, of uh, reactions. And people know their pets. Yeah. I mean, you know, dogs are your cats. They're your family. You know them sometimes better than you know your, your own, you know, brothers, sisters, spouses. Mm -hmm. So you know when it's like your dog jamming his head in the fence for, for what reason and the same thing you know your livestock um if you're an outdoorsman you know what happens in in the woods with animals um one of the things i did once i started learning um wow these animals really are the early warning systems for ufos i started examining old cases and you know we've all heard rendlesham you know, a million times over, but you look at it again, look at the animal reactions. I think it was Jim Penniston was saying the, uh, the animals were running scared through the woods. They wanted to get away from this. And one of the biggest skeptic excuses to that whole thing was they were the, the, these trained air force officers were seeing the light from the lighthouse from the Orford Ness lighthouse. Well, these animals in the forest grew up seeing that light every night of their lives. Suddenly that night, they're like panicked. Oh, my God, there's a lighthouse. Run for your lives. No, something else was happening. So you can really go back and re-examine old cases and realize what has been overlooked. Mm -hmm. Could it also be a sound issue, too? I mean, because the, the animals are really sensitive to sound, like you say, the low hum with the rabbits and, and the other animals could affect them. I mean, look, look at the whole thing with the uh, dog whistle, right? You don't hear it, but they do, and, and they react a certain way. Absolutely. Dogs' hearing is superb. Cats are even better. Um, mm -hmm. Rabbits have those ears for a reason. <laughs> they're, you know, they're most, many, many animals have far superior hearing in the higher frequencies. So early on in the research, I thought, well, 
you know, we can stick a fork in it. It's all high frequency sound until mm -hmm. I came upon the parrots and chickens. I didn't realize birds, they hear very low frequencies. We hear about 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. Mm -hmm. Dogs and cats, 40, 50, 60,000 hertz. Mm -hmm. Birds, some of them only hear about two to 4,000 hertz. So we're 20, they're two to four. Mm -hmm. So if a bird is reacting to sound, we should, pro we should hear it and, and human witnesses don't. Mm -hmm. The other end of that spectrum is, is uh, the infrasound, the very, very low frequencies we don't hear below 20 hertz. Right. Um, so that's a possibility as well. Uh, things like carrier pigeons hear, I think it's like 0.5 hertz. So they hear very, very low. But I think in the bird's case, it again goes back to that magnetoreception, their ability to sense electromagnetic fields. Mm -hmm. um, because things, again, like pigeons, they physically see the magnetic field. There, there was a great, uh, the um, University of Urbana-Champaign, I think it is, in, in Illinois, they generated these illustrations like if a bird's looking straight north it sees a curve in front of it tilting its head side to side that curve angles more so they literally have magnetic roadmaps in the sky and again if a ufo is coming by with a strong magnetic field that whole their whole world is is being turned upside down Absolutely fascinating. And when you talk about the bird hearing low frequencies, you know, as a ghost hunter, with, our, with the EVP work we do, but I can attest to this. I have birds in this house. I have activity in this house. I have one bird in particular that in the mornings I'll wake up and she's whistling stuff I never trained her or talking. Oh. Stuff I never taught her to do. <laughs> somebody's teaching her. Right, <laughs> right. It's not the TV either because I don't have it on all the time. So somebody's teaching her at, you know, late at night, teaching her stuff. Do you have the ability to record infrasound? I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, I do. That's the thing. I'm, I'm, going, to make it a, I'm going to make it a point to do it because it's really weird. You know, my father always liked birds. He always mm -hmm. liked to teach him to talk. So that's who I think. Okay. Doing it. But I mean, you know, because he's, he's been gone 11 years. Hmm. But that, that's what I mean. Like you say with, with the whole sound thing, it makes a lot of sense with the birds to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, both the fields of, you know, I've been a ghost hunter for 25 years mm -hmm. and that with the UFO fields, pay attention to the animal reactions. You know, um, they often see and sense things in, in the paranormal realm way before us as well. So I think if we have instruments that mimic their abilities, mm -hmm. we'll have a better chance at recording evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, and the stuff you've looked at or seen rather with the UFOs, how many times in each, or how many cases can, can, do you know of that where there's an animal documented as being affected? Um, I, I have personally interviewed hundreds of people and I've gone back, um, I've gone back to 1873 wow. where I found the first animal reaction. There has to be thousands 
of cases. The case in 1873 was amazing down in um, Texas and surrounding states. They were uh, newspapers reporting a snake in the sky, some some snake-shaped object or something long and cylindrical probably moving across the sky. Um, the first UFO-related death occurred when a horse was so spooked by this, he took off the ride, the um, the wagon who was driving the wagon fell off and was trampled and killed. Um, there was, I think, in Kansas, uh, a cavalry was trying to do some exercises with the cavalry, and this craft came over, and it became complete chaos. The horses just went wild; they couldn't even control them. So. Um, you know, critics who say it's all modern stealth uh, black project technology, uh, not in 1873. Um, no. So, yeah, it goes way back. In fact, my guest tomorrow is going to be talking about the about cowboys and their and their paranormal encounters with. Different oh, there things. you go. So it's going to be interesting. So it's kind of yours is kind of leading into his. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Bonham, Texas, 1873. It's kind of cool. Um, you know, when you think about the about these sounds, whatever they're hearing is terrifying them. You know, to the point that because I mean, if, when you look at your dog, dogs are skittish anyway. Cats are skittish mm -hmm. to begin with. You know, little sounds will will, will, will will trigger them up. But whatever this is, like you're saying, it's terrifying enough to make them run. And and that trauma. Uh lasts sometimes a day, a week, sometimes the rest of their lives. Uh, you know, when there's fireworks, dogs are terrified. Usually the next day they're fine. Sometimes an hour later, they're okay. I had a poor collie mix who would jump in the bathtub and start clawing. I, I don't know why she thought she could dig in the bathtub. <laughs> Couldn't get her in the bathtub for a bath, but she was so scared by the sound. And Shortly after the fireworks en ended, you know, mm -hmm. she was herself again. But um, cows will uh, give a depleted amount of milk. Sometimes they stop giving milk. Um, horses will not go to the site of a landing. There was a case where the cows and the horses would never go back to that spot. Um, the there's a sad case of a goat in uh, France. Um, all the female goats, their, their whole reproductive cycles changed. And the male goat, as they put it, stopped doing his job after this encounter. And they slaughtered and ate him. Um, right. So uh, unfortunately for that male goat. But yeah, it's you know, brave guard dogs hiding under the bed, you know, cats clawing and, and fighting each other to get through a screen door, mm -hmm. um, dog uh, running into a chain link, uh, excuse me, a barbed wire fence. One mm -hmm. cat was so terrified he ran into the side of the garage and, and practically knocked himself out, was dazed. So these animals are risking injury to get away from whatever this is, and the trauma will stay with them, as I said, sometimes forever. Well, that's what people don't realize either, because they think animals have short memories, like like dogs. 
I had a rescue who was hell on wheels, and I'm going to say that because whatever <laughs> whatever the original people did to her, oh. you know. And I remember I'd sit with her out front, and if she heard an SUV with a with a big muffler or a motorcycle, mm-hmm. she would run for the front door and try to claw through it. Oh, that's and horrible! The poor thing. I had her. I had her like ten years, and this this went on every year I had her. Mm-hmm. And so when people say that, that 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 they have a short memory, they don't. They remember everything. No, no. Yeah, we had a beautiful big German shepherd named Shadow. And again, he was abused, abandoned with a broken leg, what they did to this poor thing. And sweetest thing when we got to know him, but we always said he had issues. Uh, certain, Like you said, certain triggers. And you just have to be patient because you don't know what's what they've been through. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the, what I'm trying to say is that when you say that, they're afraid of these spots where they might have witnessed something or they know that something happened. It makes a lot of sense that they're going to remember about that spot and not go there. Exactly. Exactly. And the the overwhelming response is fear. Mm -hmm. And um, do you know, somebody suggested maybe somehow they know that no good is going to come of these Mm -hmm. encounters. Um, A lot of dogs disappear. Um, Animals have been found dead after mm-hmm. encounters. Um, I, I, you know, there's the whole animal mutilation thing. Is, is that part of it? You know, I really don't discuss that. I'm, you know, I discuss the animals, living animals reactions, but um, there does seem to be a history when animals meet UFOs, animals lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they probably have an instinct and they know. Because that's the other thing. We don't even know with animals, like like if you have a family or, or a group of animals, we don't even know if they how the hell they communicate, really. You know, and if they can pass stuff on down to each other like humans do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that would probably be a very healthy survival skill. Mm-hmm. You know, out in the wild, teach, you know, your the next generation stay away from this stay away from that um so i i think that's probably an ability they would have to have how they do it like you said i i don't know mm-hmm. so like you're saying do you, do you think it's a com- maybe a combination of both of of maybe emf levels getting messed up and the whole sound thing mm-hmm. um and vibration is another thing there's um you know uh Birds have special uh, sensors for vibration. You know, when they're standing in water, they're not just cooling their legs. They can feel a fish going by. And fish, they have those lateral lines on their sides, which um, are also very sensitive to vibration. There's a great case from Arizona. Some guys were camping and a UFO, it's at night, a UFO is coming across the lake and they had their fishing poles in their boat. You know, they had pulled their boat up on shore. The fishing poles start rattling in the boat. So there's some sort of vibration. And for 200 feet around, fish are jumping out of the water. So something was, and, you know, obviously with the fishing poles rattling, we there could have been EMF, but clearly there was some sort of vibration. And it freaked the fish right out of the lake um leaping out so um it could be barometric pressure again Mm -hmm. birds can sense a 
a pressure difference in just 15 feet. Mm -hmm. um, they're that sensitive. So there are cases where UFOs, they have such, you may have heard of them, they exert so much pressure, people are actually knocked to the ground. Mm -hmm. um, that's extreme. It's rare, but people have felt pressure. So it's it's all of the senses and, and then some, I think, is the short answer. And how long have you been lo looking into this? Um, many years uh, I've been, you know, studying UFOs in this area for looking into it for decades. And I lived through, you know, the big wave in the 1980s. Um, so, but really intensely, I'd say the last five years, I have really intensely been going in to the animal reactions and then um, came out with the book, I think two years ago, Animal Reactions to UFOs. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's been a nice um, reception. A lot of, oh, thank you, there it is. Um, a lot of investigators say, you know, it's not anything I even considered, but they're going to start using this uh, you know, in future investigations. And again, to go over previous cases, some investigators told me they don't even ask about animal reactions. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, if the witness tells them about it, eh, you know, they'll jot a note maybe, but I, I think everyone has to be paying more attention. And and by the way, the, the cat on the, the cover there, the cat eye, um, was a rescue cat. Um, I opened my door one day and she ran in. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful cat. And actually my uh, my niece wanted to adopt her, but um, so I thought I'd make her the the cover cat. <laughs> That's awesome. For the I book. love the cover. I love the cover of that with the UFO in the, in, in the eyeball. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank really you. creative. But you know, animals do have these senses. And, and I think we tend to overlook them. I mean, even with even with paranormal, and you know this from ghost hunting. Even you know, I mean, I have a dog right now that 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 likes to stand on on the back of my my couch, and she's only three years old, and she's looking at something back there. I don't know mm -hmm. what's behind the couch, but she's there. So yes. I don't know who's there or what the heck. <laughs> <laughs> well, she know yeah, you know, and and I always would get calls. Um, from people who wanted, you know, to have a paranormal investigation, and they say my cat's freaking me out. She's, <laughs> she's looking at something and running from something. There was a great case in uh, Nyack, New York, which is on the Hudson River, uh, old town, a lot of old homes, mm -hmm. and this woman had a cat, and it would, she'd put the food in the kitchen, but the cat would walk in, would never walk in front of the stove, would go off to the right down and around to get to her food. And they're like, what is going on? They find out um, a previous owner had committed suicide by blowing out the pilot light, sticking her head yeah. in the stove and committing suicide. And that cat knew there was something still there. That cat would never walk across um, where the woman had died. See, I think science needs, like you say, science needs to take a more intense look at animals. Absolutely. It's it's high time they have been grossly overlooked and underrated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
because I mean, they're, they're, they 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 tend to like you say they tend to scent a lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, you know, you just need to follow sometimes what what they're doing. You know. Yeah. Um, case in New Jersey, uh, two women were walking their big German Shepherd named Hans, and Hans was an extremely protective dog. And they see a dumbbell-shaped craft. And the two women are mesmerized by this. Poor Hans is whimpering and trying to dig a hole to hide in. And they're a natural. They were drawn to this. They wanted to go towards this craft. They look at Hans' reaction and they think, huh, maybe we better run. And that's that's what they did. Um, If that animal with those instincts is terrified don't go towards whatever it is oh, if it were me i'd be like yeah you don't want to go there i'm fine with it let's go that's right <laughs> hold on, thank hold you on. hans <laughs> i'm good let's go you know? what's a common um uh you know when you're looking at these cases is there anything in particular that uh, that seems like a common denominator with these animals uh, definitely the fear, um, they, they just act uncharacteristically. Um, it's, you know, there can be a fearful dog, you know, and, and like the birds, chickens, you know, there's a, re- you know, chicken and we have it in our vernacular that it means scared. Right. But, um, when you see them reacting completely out of character and often, way before the craft is even seen mm-hmm. and continue often after the craft is gone, you know, the human witness seeing, hearing, experience it before and after. So um, it, it's like there are these early warning systems and uh, sometimes it's not fear. Sometimes, like I said, it's almost like they're subdued. They're like almost drugged. But yeah, I'd have to go back to the common characteristic is fear often to the point of completely unhinged panic, you know, willing to try to run through a wall. Um, Often horses in their stalls will be trying to kick the walls down. Uh, Cows will stampede and knock down, you know, the fence or corral. Sheep will do the same thing. So... um, and and any animal you can imagine, my one probably the the best story, um, because it involves so many and so many different types of animals, was the Phoenix Zoo in 1993. Um, a large lighted craft was slowly passing over. The guard's truck stalled. His lights went out. So clearly EMF. But the craft was also beaming down a bright blue light like into the lion and tiger pen into the was basically scanning uh, the whole zoo mm-hmm. and um to the two guards said every animal in the zoo now that's probably representing animals from every continent uh, from deserts from mountains unit every animal in the zoo was reacting with cries of alarm so talk about this being a universal reaction um that is just the most definitive 
case that I know of. That is incredible. That's a lot of animals with different traits and everything that, that are reacting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't just be because of the light beaming down because a lot of animals are indoors for the night and, and mm-hmm. couldn't see the light. And some are just housed indoors anyway, depending on the species. So it had to be something, uh, EMF, sound, vibration, again, uh, something we, we don't even understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had to bring in the, the uh, veterinarian to check out all the animals because they didn't know if they had been hurt, you know, trying to get out of their enclosures, um, you know, what had been done to them by this light or something else. So mm-hmm. um, it, it is a universal effect. Well, can you imagine, you know, you're in this enclosure anyway, some of those enclosures are indoors even. And then you get this feeling you want to get out and there's no place to go. Yes. Yeah. It's horrible. Um, I really feel for these animals. You read, you read the, their, their complete panic. Um, and a lot of them are just inconsolable. You know, the humans are trying to help. They don't want any part. They just want to get away from whatever is causing this. When you talk about animals disappearing, because you mentioned that earlier, what do you mean exactly? Well, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, sometimes in these events, uh, the animals will just be gone. Um, they say, oh, they just ran off. Well, well, maybe. Um, but there was a case in New Zealand. I'll probably get this wrong. Ohinapaka, New Zealand. And it was a cattle ranch. And they saw this cone-shaped UFO. The man, his horse, his cattle dogs were all paralyzed during this. In fact, he said the horse's mane stood up. I didn't know a horse's mane hair could stand up on end, um, but it did. And they came to, you know, they, the craft went away. They could move. Um, they found out their prize bull was missing from the the middle of the corral. There was no way to get this out unless you airlifted this bull out of there. Um, The famous um, uh, Mothman incident in Mm -hmm. West Virginia. Um, If you read the newspapers locally leading up to that event, Mm -hmm. a lot of dogs went missing, um, which is scary and i even went to the lost and found columns in the newspapers Mm -hmm. um lost dog lost dog have you seen my dog um something was going on there where dogs were were disappearing um it's it's a very dark side of this whole phenomenon which is is quite disturbing people have you know you, you can take it or leave their stories, but some people with abduction experiences claim to see animals on board these craft as well. So that, you know, I can neither prove nor disprove, but these animals are going somewhere. And the thing that comes to mind is who in their right mind is going to go steal a bull? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, unless, yeah, uh, from the middle of a, you know, it's the way they described it, 
you would have to drive a truck through these fences to get to this. It just couldn't physically happen. So yeah. um, yeah. wolves are mean as heck too. So I mean, yeah. And as they put out, uh, as the the ranchers said, um, he had more than enough to keep him happy because he was in a in a an enclosure with a lot of females. So that uh, bull had no reason to go anywhere. <laughs> It's just frightening. It's frightening when you think about it. And it's frightening when you think, like like the reports of, of them doing experiments, you know, genetic experience, experiments on people. What if they're doing these genetic experiences on hunt on your pet? And, you know, and they take your dog and they're doing experiments. Oh, boy. It, take uh, me. Do not touch a hair on my dog's head. Yeah. I mean, that, it's like when it happens to children. Mm -hmm. um, you know, children and animals. Please. That is just, that is horrific. Um, that gets me very upset to think of, you know, the innocent victims of these cases. But then again, you think about this and you think about these dogmen and you kind of expand out in this. You think about these, these, these creatures that people see like, like the dogmen and stuff. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense because I've always thought in a lot of ways, and I know I've gotten some flack talking to people about the Sasquatch and all this, but I always felt it like these dogmen and stuff were experiments that, didn't work out hmm. and re-released them back on you know back you know onto the earth uh, uh, it's possible um you know um there's i i can't say no to anything after all i've dealt with right. you know <laughs> i i originally really fought the idea when i'd give a ghost lecture people said before i you know i was writing about ufos oh you should do that too because they're connected and I'm like, really? How is, you know, the ghost of your grandmother connected with a UFO? But the more I researched this, the more interviews I did, mm -hmm. strong areas of paranormal, high strangeness, whatever, also seem to be areas of a lot of sightings of UFOs. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm still not easy with that, but I absolutely have to admit uh, that it's, there's some connection there. What is one of the stories that caught your attention the most that, or that bothers you the most about it? Bothers me the most. Um, oh, there was a case in South America and it was a cattle ranch and the, the generator on the ranch went out, the cattle are going crazy and there's a disc shaped object that's coming down and it looks like it's going to land it. It hovers about 25 feet above the ground. Mm -hmm. And um, the the guard dog, uh, Topo, goes, all the other dogs are barking and running away. Topo goes running towards this craft, you know, barking hysterically. He is in attack mode. About 15, 20 feet from the craft, he stops dead as if something stopped him. He sits down and starts to whimper. And the craft eventually moves away. In the next couple days, Topo's lethargic. He stops eating. They find him like three days later, later, dead on that spot where he had been stopped. They do a necropsy, you know, an animal autopsy. They find out that his organs had all been superheated. His organs had basically, basically been cooked. 
and the fat on his body, like in, under his skin, had been liquefied and his fat actually ran through his skin. So something like a microwave, intense radiation, that's just that. I am so sad about this and, and angry that this poor, I mean, what was this dog going to do to this UFO 25 feet above? Right. Did they intentionally harm the dog? Mm -hmm. I'd hate to think that. Um, but yeah, that, that was just a horrible, a horrible case. So poor Topo. That's awful. Yeah. Very disturbing. No. But then again, it makes you wonder, too, when these things come down low, if they are spewing out radiation. Yeah, there was a case in Valparaiso, Florida, not all that long ago. Mm -hmm. um, the, the human witnesses actually felt drawn to this. It was a rectangular-shaped craft, which is um, fairly rare. They said they had feelings of calm and elation, and the dog and the cat instead of running away, they were drawn towards this craft. And you think, what a wonderful experience, except they, the, in the following days, they developed blisters, their hair fell out, um, nauseous, showing all of these signs. Again, you'd hate to think, was this craft intentionally drawing them towards mm -hmm. it somehow? knowing they were going to get this dose of radiation or was it just a byproduct? Um, so you have, there are dangers involved in, in any type of pursuit like this. Um, you may not want to go running towards a craft and try to touch it or no. get as close as possible because you don't know what might happen to you. Well, see, while you're talking about this, that's what makes me wonder if maybe when people get abducted and get sent back, maybe part of what's going on when they're aboard ship is they're getting the radiation out of their system. And then sitting oh. back. Where with the animals, when they go towards it, they don't have that because they're not taking the animals to remove the radiation. Oh, I've never heard that as a possibility. Yeah, like That's you think, that. you think yeah. that an animal is feeling all this radiation, what are the humans feeling as they, as they get closer to this thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they are the, and then there was the, you know, other cases where people get, seem to get radiation burns or some sort of chemical burns. Um, so yeah, you, you just have to be careful. Um, I know my, if I saw something landing, I would probably go running towards it, but, uh, maybe I wouldn't go quite up to it. Um, so Yeah. Uh, they get me easy. I'd be. I'd have my camera out. I'd be too busy taking pictures, and then all of a sudden I'd be on board. Boom! <laughs> Wouldn't even be paying attention, you know. Um, now, with the sightings of UFOs and, and these contact with animals, has it increased over the years? Um, I I think it has only because I think um, in this area, at least a lot more population and a lot more people have dogs that are, you know, out and about. Um, I don't hear so many of the cattle reactions because a lot of the farms are in this area are disappearing. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it all depends, but certainly uh, so many dog and cat 
reactions. As I said, that's what sparked this whole thing. Uh, you know, I'd interview 50 people mm -hmm. and 40 of them, the whole sighting began because their dog was going ballistic or their cat was suddenly screaming, trying to get in. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, whatever, whatever is happening is, uh, you know, hasn't slowed down. Let's put it that way. I mean, with everything that's starting to go on now where there's going to be more disclosure and stuff, and maybe who knows, you know, if, if there's going to be more, more of them showing up as, as people become more relaxed with the idea that they're out there, perhaps we should keep an eye on the animals, you know, to, to see when they, before they're going to show up. Yes, yes. Um, if, if that committee was smart, that new uh, government committee, they would have a special subsection for for animal reactions absolutely i just find all this interesting you know in, in that i've never thought about this the, the, the this part of it like probably nobody else has either really you know about the ufo thing and how it would affect an animal there um there have been isolated studies nicap had a had a animal reaction collection mm -hmm. um uh, back in the 60s, I think it was a Flying Saucer Review magazine did a several part series where they just, you know, did brief mentions. They collected all of these stories from around the world. And then probably the best study, um, there was a woman who was part of MUFON. Her name was Joan, Joan Woodward. And she did a really nice scientific study uh, this percentage had this reaction and, you know, listing probably about a, a hundred cases. And I think one of her footnotes was actually one of the most remarkable statements that I, I don't know if she appreciated what she found. She, she listed, you know, triangles and spheres and discs and cylinders and other and all. And the shape of the craft had no bearing on the animal reaction. Hmm. And I think that is huge. That to me speaks to a common technology, regardless of the shape of the craft. If the animals are still reacting the same way, whether it's a triangle, tri you know, a, a modern triangle or an old fashioned flying saucer, mm -hmm. you know, what does that tell you? Um, so I think that has some very interesting implications um that you know people need to look into now my question is are the people that, that you've interviewed about this were the people abducted and not the animals oh that's a great question um i think they don't know for the most part i um they'll they'll talk about their own experience and as an aside, say, yeah, and you know, my dog wasn't right the next couple of days. Mm -hmm. I don't know that trying to think, uh, nobody I've spoken to has said their animals have gone with them, but I think there may be a couple of cases of that. Um, but that's, I'll have to look into that. I'll have to. Uh, it's interesting when you think about it, because they're experimenting on us to see how, you know, what makes us tick. And looking at our DNA, you'd think that they would want to look at animals because the animals are a completely different species from us. Yes. Or, yep. you know, whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, a, a good scientist doesn't just look at rats, you know, <laughs> he look, looks at all different different types. Um, so if they're doing some sort of experiment or study, um, certainly would want to look at different, you know. How <laughs> you say rats, it makes me laugh. Can you imagine if the aliens were looking at rats? <laughs> Talk about you. Live Take the rats, please. Abduct all the rats you want. <laughs> <laughs> but see, if they were going to look at something to for something that would live forever and live through anything, there you go. That yeah, <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah, I often think rats are aliens. The way they, uh, like you said, they uh, they can just live through uh, an apocalypse. <laughs> and still come out and they're, 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 right. They're, they're, they're radioactive stuff. They, they don't care. Yeah. I find what you do interesting, you know, as a branch off from, from ghost hunting, you know, I, I find this really fascinating to look into this because like I said, I never really knew about this before as far as the alien connection with, with animals, you know, that, they, that there would even be a reaction there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just followed the evidence, you know, I interviewed enough people and read enough cases that, uh, you know, when I first thought, I said, I should really look into this. Well, what is there going to be beyond dogs and maybe cattle and okay, mm -hmm. uh, goats, uh, elephants, uh, this, that, you know, and, and then with the Phoenix zoo case, when I came upon that, I said, okay, that's a clean sweep. It's, and I would love to know, um, you know, with the USOs, mm -hmm. um, you know, fish are so sensitive to so many things. What's going on under the water we don't know about? You know, that one case where the fish are jumping out of the water. There are cases where there's a UFO and either fish seem drawn to it mm -hmm. or they just leave the area. So something's going on. So, uh, you know, it's hard enough to get information evidence on land um i don't know what kind of sensing equipment you'd need in the water to see what's happening mm -hmm. um but i'm i would imagine you know everything from whales to octopuses must be affected uh mm -hmm. by what's going on under the water because when you think of the sightings that people have had two of these things uh, of these things rising out of the water what are they like you say what, what are they doing underwater Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh lakes, rivers, oceans. Um that's that's one of the uh the Hudson Valley here with its uh the Hudson River and all of its lakes and reservoirs. Uh many people have seen craft, you know, coming up out of the water or going back into it or actually drawing water. You've probably heard of those cases. They're actually sucking the water. Um, out of the lakes or and how is that affecting the poor fish and and everything you know in the water so um I, I would love to if if there was a you know an incident where suddenly there's some sort of uso flap in a particular area wouldn't it be something to have some sort of monitoring system under the water to see what the fish um are doing because again i'm sure that would be the early warning system that something's coming again i, I would think it, it would be a vibration thing mm -hmm. them. yeah vibrations in the water like the shark you know mm -hmm. the shark doesn't i mean the shark yeah if you have blood on you the shark will react but what the shark is actually reacting to is 
the way you're moving in the water. The minute you start thrashing, it, it thinks of you as as, as food. Mm-hmm. I would think that it would work the same way with fish too. I, I would think so. Whatever those craft uh, underwater are generating um, is probably not anything they've encountered. You know, animals don't like new unknown things. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's what is being presented to them, whatever it is, vibration, infrasound, um, high frequency. It's it's something they do not like and they fear. Mm-hmm. This is really fascinating. That, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's got me to spend years of my life on it. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. You know, because, yeah, I, I can agree. The sound, the EMF levels, you know, just, just even like you say, rumbles in the earth, you know, th- mm-hmm. little things like that that are going to that are gonna get an animal's attention because they're so used to being connected. You know, when you look way back, even with the Native Americans, they will tell you that the animals are connected to the earth. Yes, and, and we from- used to be a lot yeah. more before right. this modern age. There's a, um, a indigenous people in uh, Australia something like that um they have no words for left and right everything is by the compass readings they will come up to you and say could you move to the northeast so i could sit down or that they are so attuned to the earth that people have studied them they said they they just have these natural compasses they feel the difference and there have been studies done you know some people have fabulous senses of directions others do not and humans have the same ingredients you know the uh magnetite in our brains uh there's a protein called cryptochrome in the eyes which are sensitive to these magnetic fields we have them just like other animals but we sit indoors, we surround ourselves with these artificial EMF fields, and I think we lose that ability. And, uh, you know, peoples who, you know, like these indigenous peoples in Australia who live in nature, they have retained that ability. Um, so it's there's there's actually groups around the world, I think the Philippines, Africa, South America, Central America, you know, people who live on the land, they just know where north, south, east, west is. It's a, it's another, it's another sense that right. they, they have not lost. Because it pulls on their body a certain way. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. You know, when you think about um, us, it's like, it's like psychic abilities that, that are hidden within us once we start getting older because we get involved with other stuff. Well, mm-hmm. this EMF thing is hidden within us too. I mean, look at all the people that suffered when they put the smart meters in. In people's houses. Yes. And what people went through. Yeah. And the cell towers and the, even though they say, oh, no, no, it's only a certain radius, um, Bluetooth, um, y- you know, you name it. Um, so we are very sensitive and we should be aware of that and and make sure we're not damaging ourselves mm-hmm. um, with the artificial EMF and you know, get outside, take your shoes off and, and enjoy nature more and see how you feel when you're when you're away from all of that. Keep your cell phone at home um, and just feel the natural earth energies. They're there. All the other animals are 
navigating by them. Um, we should too. What do you have to say to um, somebody that thinks that the, their animal might have experienced this? Who should they contact or how does that work? Well, um, you know, you can call and report it, but they're really, um, you know, to MUFON or New Fork or something like that. But I don't know of a single investigator who specializes in this or, or even is aware of it. Um, so at this point, not a lot, not a lot you can do. Of course, if you think your animal's been harmed mm -hmm. as a result, you know, go to a vet and try not to tell them exactly what happened because they'll probably think you're crazy. Um, but yeah, there is, I'm, if people have stories, I would, I would love to, you know, I'd love to hear them because I'm, I'm trying to, you know, amass as much evidence as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one more question before I let you go is, like I said, do you, do you have recent cases of this or do you think it's tapering off or do you think it's increasing? Oh, I absolutely have recent cases, um, probably just within the last couple of months uh, that, you know, the dogs were going crazy and, uh, you know, my cat kept acting weird. So I looked out the window and saw this. So, yes, it's happening as we speak somewhere, I'm sure. Somewhere around the world, there's probably 100 cases of this happening right now. I have no doubt. That's fantastic. Well, it's, a, it's incredible and fantastic, but sad at the same time for the animals. Mm. I feel for the animals. That, that oh, absolutely. Linda, this hour went by so fast. It did, <laughs> but oh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I learned so much tonight about this. Oh, and my pleasure. I really... Something that never even occurred to me till, till I heard you talking about it before, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it in person, because, wow, it's, it's mind-blowing to think about yeah, and I hope, you know, all your listeners start paying attention to this now um, in, in future cases. And, and for investigators, go back and look over your notes for other cases and see if there's, you know, animals are not making things up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can say that the human is imagining something, but, you know, a herd of cows, a bunch of you know, dogs, horses, goats, whatever. They're not looking for their five minutes of fame. Mm -hmm. Their their reactions are genuine. Absolutely, absolutely. Where can people find you? Um, I'm all over the place. I have my own podcast, uh, <laughs> UFO Headquarters. I have a Facebook page, uh, Hudson Valley UFOs, and my website is... Uh, go to Zim, G-O-T-O-Z-I-M dot com, and all my books are on Amazon. Absolutely fantastic. I would love to get you on and another another day and talk more about this with you. Absolutely. I just find it so fascinating. And thank you for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take all care. Right. You have a great evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All I can say is, wow. I mean, if you don't stop, you know, if you don't start looking at your animals closer, whether you're out walking them at night or whatever, I don't know what you're going to do now, you know, because I believe it. I, I can understand this reaction. Like I said, I saw it with my dogs a few times. Anyway, I'm going to be teaching a psychic development class next week. So I want to remind everybody 
That's 5 p.m. next Saturday evening. And check it out at the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team Meetup site. Also, the site Class 2, uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday, September 10th at 5 p.m. Pacific. You can, you can get that over at the Meetup site as well. If you like the show today, please uh, hit that follow button on Facebook. If you liked it uh, and you're listening on YouTube, please hit the uh, subscribe button on YouTube. It's that little ghost down in the bottom right-hand corner. And if you're watching on Twitch, please hit that subscribe button. Anyway, tomorrow, and I'm glad she mentioned some of the stuff she did because tomorrow's guest, John LeMay, is an author who lives in Roswell, New Mexico. And he's done a lot of study about the Roswell UFO sightings and all that. But he's also a historian who likes to go back and look at the cowboy years and things like that. And what he's found is that some of the cowboys have reported seeing vampires, werewolves, ghosts, and all this other stuff. So he's going to come on and talk about that, about their sightings, UFOs too, like she was talking about UFOs. So he's going to have a lot to talk about. So that'll be tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. His name is John LeMay. He's going to be with us. All right. Um, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, give it to them. Get even with them. Share it with, share it with five of the enemies. I don't care. I just want people to watch, right? <laughs> um, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube site if you're watching from YouTube. And you see that, that banner down at the bottom. That's because California Haunts does not take any money whatsoever to investigate. We don't ask for anything. If people want to donate, we're, that's fine. And uh, I still got to pay bills here. I've got internet to pay, I, you know, and other expenses, equipment. Something breaks, I got to replace it, just like with the paranormal group, same thing. If you could help me out a little bit, because I love doing this show. I want to keep bringing it to you. We're starting our third year in January with this show. I mean, I'm sorry, in September. Oh, I'm thinking January. In September with the show. And I want to keep bringing these great guests to you guys like Linda. So if you could help me out a little bit, that'd be great at paypal.com at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, Venmo, and then type in California Haunts. Anyway, I appreciate each and every one of you. Our numbers are going up, and it's because of you. It's because of you sharing. It's because of you sharing the word and getting the word out about the show. All right? So we're getting a lot more interest in the show, and I'm real excited about it. And I want to thank each and every one of you and everyone that has donated in the past. Thank you. I really appreciate it. But anyway, I'm going to send you off with Linda's information, and then I'm going to call it a night. So here we go. So the website is www.gotozim.com. And the first book is Animal Reactions to UFOs. And you've got Hudson Valley UFOs, Mysterious Stone Site, Mysterious Stone Sites. <laughs> and you've got Ghost Investigators. I think it's a comic book thing that she's working on. And then you've got Ghosts of Kirkland County. And of course, like she said, you can get those from her website or they are also available at Amazon. Alrighty, I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a good night.